Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. To start off today, we have some news surrounding the Chicago Bulls. They lost a part of their young core, Patrick Williams, who was last year's number four overall pick, I believe. He's done for the season due to surgery to repair a left wrist dislocation. All in all, it shouldn't be a huge deal in my opinion. He's only averaging six points per game. I honestly don't know why everyone thought he was going to be special or a big part of what the Bulls did. He hasn't shown me anything yet that makes me think he has star potential. I thought the Bulls reached for him at four in last year's draft, and that's, well, proving true so far. But hopefully a speedy recovery for Williams. The big game that happened, you know, this past week was... Grizzlies Warriors, that was the one that, you know, kind of caught some headlines. It was in San Francisco. The Warriors were dominating the first half, up by as many as 19. Curry had 22 of the Warriors' 55. Memphis cut the deficit to 10 at the half, 55-45. In the second half, Memphis, you know, they would they would chip away. But then they would, you know, fall back. And then they would chip away again and fall back. It was this pattern of cut it to 6, let the lead fall back to, you know, 10 to 14 again. But then DeAnthony Melton opened the fourth quarter with a three to cut the lead to three. And then it was 86 to 81 for about two minutes until Jaron Jackson Jr. hit a three. That cut the lead to two. That was kind of the turning point for Memphis. That was when they started to finally make enough of a run to tie or, you know, take the lead. Morant hit a deep three. It wasn't quite the logo, but it was pretty far back. There was at least 30 feet. It was as the shot clock was winding down, he just pulled up and drained it to take the lead uh, 94-93 with 3.57 left. The Grizzlies had three chances to win late. Morant missed a three. Then Jaron Jackson got blocked by Draymond, got his own rebound, missed a three again. And then Memphis had to hold their breath as Curry let a three go with less than a second left. That missed. So tied 98-98. They went to overtime. Kyle Anderson hit two free throws to open up the period. Damian Lee. A three took the lead for the Warriors, 101-100. to DeAnthony Melton scored a layup. Morant, a great spin move on Wiggins. So crafty. Weaved through the D for two. And that was the last score of the game. The final score was 104-101. to Morant had some nice, elusive moves at the end of the game to avoid getting fouled. Morant tweeted after the game that he played Manhunt when he was little. And that, you know, came in there. John Morant finished the game with 30 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals this is close to his averages on the season 28 5 and 7 and if i were to give out an an, an extremely early mvp you know or extremely early mvp ladder i would have steph one Giannis two kd three and jaw four he has been that spectacular he had 37 in the season opener 28 against the clippers 40 points and 10 assists against the lakers 30 of course as we just talked about against the warriors He's shooting 52% from the field and 38% from three. He's leading the league in points in the paint per game. The only concerning stat is he's averaging five turnovers a game. However, we are only seeing the beginning of Ja Morant's potential. This young Memphis Grizzlies team is going places, and Ja will be the headliner leading the charge for them. Although, I think making the playoffs in the West this year is going to be tough despite how talented he is and how well he's playing. I honestly do not expect him to keep this up. We'll see what happens. The new foul rules are creating headlines across the league. You can't make any abnormal or non-basketball moves in order to draw a foul. So like jumping into defenders, hooking them on like 
like James Harden does, hooking them with the offhand and then bringing up the ball with you so it looks like you're shooting. The offense is really restricted in, you know, over-initiating the contact, you can say. Some people like the rule. Kyle Kuzma said they're the best thing the league has done in recent history and that watching the game is so much different. Steve Kerr said the game has a more authentic feel. Draymond Green said it's satisfying to watch the game without the BS calls. I feel like this new rule is basically to expose guys like James Harden specifically. Trey Young could be put in that category as well, maybe even Devin Booker. But Steve Nash said he thinks Harden has unfairly become the poster boy of these new rules. That they're made to limit his offensive potency. And Harden feels that way too. When asked if he agreed with what Nash said about being the poster boy of the new rules, he said, quote, yeah, for sure. He also said he's not the type to complain about it, even though he does on the court. But I will admit, he did not complain to the press about it. Harden just wants the officials to call what they see. That's what he said. If they see a foul, whether it's in accordance with the new rules or not, he wants them to call it. And that makes sense. You want them to call what they see unless it's utterly and completely obviously wrong. But that doesn't happen that often where it's that blatantly of a bad call. Harden's numbers, the first five games are just unbelievable from the free throw line. He's The first game, he, he was four for four from the free throw line. Second game, three for four. Third game, one for one. Fourth game, three for three. Fifth game, three for three. A total of eight, nine plus six is 15 free throw attempts. 15 free throw attempts through five games. March of 2011 was the last time that happened when he had less than five attempts in five straight games from the free throw line. He was back to normal Friday night against the Pacers with 29 points. He was 16 of 19 from the free throw line. But then he was just two for three last night. I think there will be a little bit more stubbornness from James Harden. But once he truly realizes that, you know, this isn't going to work anymore, he'll he'll adjust and get back to averaging 30 a game. My MVP prediction is looking pretty iffy right now. Honestly, I'd put Miles Bridges ahead of him on an MVP list right now. Let's talk about Miles Bridges because he's averaging 24 points and seven rebounds a game. Where did this come from? Eastern Conference Player of the Week in the first week of the season. Steph won Western Conference Player of the Week. Miles could have had an extension worth $60 million this offseason, turned it down, and, you know, believed in himself. And he is proving that he deserves much more than that. If he keeps this up, he's, he's in the $100 million range, honestly. One of the main reasons why the Hornets are 5-2 and two to start the season. Plenty of highlights already. Three hundred. Uh, we saw the 360 dunk versus the Nets, the Tomahawk against the Celtics. He did get dunked on by Jalen Brown, but... He had a half-court alley-oop against the Heat. We knew he was the best in-game dunker in the league, but now he's showing that he's way more than that. He's a scorer. He can finish well and shoot well enough from the outside, 37%. He's a good defender, 1.6 steals per game. And he said one of the one of his goals this season is to make the all-defensive team or an all-defensive team. And that's certainly possible. With his frame, physicality, athleticism, and quickness, he can certainly compete on that end. Miles Bridges is an early candidate for most improved player, probably the front runner right now. The Chicago Bulls beat the Raptors and lost to the Knicks, as I thought. Although, that game with the Knicks was very competitive, which was, you know, encouraging. It came down to the last shot. I think DeMar DeRozan airballed. Very good defense by R.J. Barrett, I believe it was, who was playing defense on him. And then, Chicago beat the Jazz. The first loss of the season for Utah. That impressed me. Specifically, on the defensive end, they held the Jazz to 99 points on 38% shooting, 28% from three. That is a very deadly offensive team with the way they shoot the ball and spread it. 
I, I was just shocked by the Bulls' defense in that game. Chicago is 5-1 and one right now, and I'm slightly more convinced now than I was when we last discussed them. The Brooklyn Nets finally over 500 with a 117-91 win over Detroit. Spread out production for them offensively. Harden had a triple-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Durant had 23 with a team high. Joe Harris, 12 points. LaMarcus Aldridge added 16. DeAndre Bembry, how about him? 15 off the bench. Javon Carter, 8. Patty Mills, 7. Blake Griffin, 8. This wasn't really, you know, a superstar-heavy win. And the production really hasn't been that way all season, which has kind of surprised me. That's not what I expected. Yes, Durant has been playing very, very well, averaging 26 to 28 points a game, somewhere around there. I knew Brooklyn was deep, but I expected Harden and Durant to carry more of an offensive load. And to me, that's partially why they're only four and three. They need better play from Harden specifically, which we talked about earlier. He needs to find new ways to get to the line consistently. That's such a big part of his scoring. They need more from him to start winning more consistently. And I get it. They're still figuring out playing without Kyrie. So we got to give them some time. And honestly, for this team... The regular season is a tune-up for the playoffs. We know they'll be there, so I'm not too concerned. They're doing better than the Bucks right now for some reason. The Bucks crushed them on opening night, but since then, they're 2-4 and four since that game. So they're 3-4 and four right now. The Milwaukee Bucks are. They're missing Holiday and Lopez here and there, and they got a bunch of guys in and out of the lineup. It's affecting their play. Giannis is still, you know, an MVP candidate early on. But despite that, the East is looking stronger than the West right now. They have five teams with five wins. The Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, the Washington Wizards are five and one. What is up with that? I don't know. The Bulls are five and one. And then the Hornets are five and two. Sixers, Raptors, and Nets round out the top eight in that conference. They all have four wins. In the West, they only have two teams with five wins. The Jazz and the Warriors, they're both a five and one. And then the Nuggets, Mavericks are three and four with four wins. And then the T-Wolves, three and two. Lakers, four and three. Kings, three and three. Blazers, three and three. Grizzlies, three and three. That, that That's one through nine in the West. The Suns struggling to start the season, two and three. The Clippers are struggling a little bit more than I thought they would without Kawhi. They're one and four right now and then at the bottom of each conference we got the pelicans at one and six like i predicted they're not going to get zion back for another two possibly three weeks his foot has not healed as they hoped it would and then the pacers and magic are tied at the bottom of the west or excuse me the east at one and six that is where we are right now approximately six to seven games into the nba season it's already been entertaining To wrap up today, this day in NBA history, the first ever NBA game was played in 1946. The New York Knicks defeated the Toronto Huskies 68 to 66 in the first ever NBA game, which was played in Toronto, actually. Any fan taller than Toronto's 6'8 center George Nostrand got in free. That's pretty interesting. We will be back soon with another podcast.